right, hey everyone. Welcome to Untrumped, episode six. I'm Doug Paget. This is Adam Schindler, and this is our sixth installment of a little project that we are endeavoring in, and that is to try to understand one another, and specifically for me to try to understand the perspective that Adam holds as one who supported Donald Trump. And over the last five weeks, we have been talking every Thursday night at this time, and Adam's been good enough to put himself under the... Uh, the discussion in the microscope as someone who supported Donald Trump, not just as a casual voter, but even as someone who said, uh, I am uh, I am a I'm a supporter. And the project here has been to help me understand how another faithful person in the Christian tradition and a leader in the Christian church could say Donald Trump is the person that I should support. And so I know I've said this uh, uh, in past weeks, but I just want to reiterate again this week. The project here is not for Adam to try to convince me that I should have been a Trump supporter. It's not for me to try to convince Adam that he should not have been. It is a project for me trying to understand well enough the perspective of Adam's choice to be a Trump supporter so that I could communicate that to myself for my own deep understanding and know it well enough that I could communicate it to someone else. And to such a degree that Adam would say, I think you've got it. Yep, that's, that's pretty close to how I would say it. Uh, and I think that's part of understanding. Now, what we might end up doing, you know, other times in another podcast is for Adam to say, Doug, explain to me how it is that you hold a view or act in a way or live in a certain way. And he can be the one trying to be the one converted in, in, into a new understanding. But this project is not uh, forcing my opinions on Adam. It is meant to be. How do we how do I understand how he came to support Donald Trump? And in that project, we're learning a lot about each other and getting to know each other well. And I think there's a really fun friendship uh, building. Agreed. Here. Yeah. So it's really great. So anyway, thank yeah. you, Adam. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a really fun project for me. Um, you know, of course, I was a little bit hesitant. Uh, you know, I reached out to you and I saw, you know, through a friend that you had posted that out there asking for a, a thoughtful, uh, open-minded Trump supporter. And many people said, yeah, good luck finding one of those. Yeah, they sure did. Um, but... I've really gone on this journey of discovering myself, too, of really asking myself, all right, so essentially what is it that, that, that moved me towards support? And, you know, I, I get done with these things and I go upstairs and I go to sleep at the end on Thursday nights and I think, oh, God, is this, am I making a mistake, you know? And genuinely By asking, doing the podcast or by having voted for Trump? Which no, am I, am I, no, at the end of the podcast, I asked genuinely, I am, you know, am I, I making a mistake? Am I wrong here? Or more than wrong, like I don't care so much about right and wrong. I'm more concerned with how we're bringing life or death. And I think oh. that our tongues have the power of life and death in them. Mm -hmm. And, and okay. I don't want to partner in sowing death through the things that I say, uh, most certainly through the things that I believe. And so I'm constantly asking Am I, for me, in my family, my sphere, my purpose on this earth, am I, you know, am I out of line here? And, it, you know, it's been a genuine discussion internally with my family and myself, um, you know, and I, I haven't yet arrived at a different conclusion. I'm, I'm staying the course. Well, good. Um, well, if you, can, if you can hold off a different conclusion for one more week, we will complete our seven-week seven task. Maybe that'll be the cliffhanger week seven. 
That's right. I was thinking that we should have some big thing like who gets voted off the webinar podcast. <laughs> only, only, only one can stand. We're not here to make friends. We're here to win the, win the. Uh, maybe one of us could look at the other and say, "You're fired." That'd be sort of ironic. All right. So um, I, I think that the general context we're in is we're a year uh, uh, and a day past the the date that Donald Trump was elected president. So I've been thinking about these things, of course, for more than a year. You you have too, for people who are new to the podcast, you have a history uh, and a work life that's involved your some time with the, with the Trump organization. So you have a deeper knowing of uh, Donald Trump and what he's been up to than a lot of people would. Um, so, so that's a piece of it. So we're set in that timing, but I think it's also worth noting that we're also set in the timing of just a number of days ago when there was a shooting in a church in San Antonio, just outside San Antonio. And I was thinking of you, Adam, when I was hearing those reports, because you live just outside of, you live in San Antonio, and this was just outside of San Antonio where... Yeah, it's about 30 miles from a house. Yeah, 26 people were shot and killed in uh, a church in a, in, a mass, in a mass shooting. And I just thought it was worth mentioning that and noting that, that um, I appreciate so much your commentary about the what what do our words produce in the world? Does it generate life? Does it generate hope? Does it generate faith? Or does it steal those things away? Like the thief comes to steal, right? Does it does it build or does it take? Um, and that's a good metaphor. I like it a lot. And there's also other ways that people do that that killing. And sometimes it's less metaphoric and more more yeah. true. And and that happens in church contexts and religious contexts. And it doesn't seem that any space is protected from. Um, the, 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 the ravages of mass killing in this country. And yeah. it's a super big deal. And I'm guessing you and I would think differently about some of our federal and state laws around the response to that kind of thing. But regardless, I, I'm sure we're at the same place where it's just so painful to know that um, people are hurt so deeply in, um, in their churches and in places that are meant to be safe for them. And uh, so... Yeah. I thought that was yeah, that's was... that's important to me, and I've thought about it every day. And not just because it's a church, but um, there's just a there's a kind of sanctuary that seems to be violated when that happens. Whether it was you know the the the, the Mother Emanuel Church where that happened again, where yeah. a man went in and killed church people, and where it happened in the Sikh uh, community in Milwaukee. I mean, there's just so many times and places where people are in places of religious safety around the world, especially it happens all the time. There's a lot of Muslims yeah. killed in mosques and, um, yeah, the violence just, it, in the middle East against Islamic worshipers over there incredible. is horrible. So this is important what we're doing and hopefully it's part of the whole fabric of the goodness we're trying to bring in the world. And we also recognize that sometimes, uh, it just gets overwhelmed with other, other moments of pain. And so how, how are people in San Antonio doing, generally speaking, I guess, uh, around that? Well, we have, um, we have some members of our church community that I go to on Sundays that lived about 10 miles from there. Um, and they've been to that church and they sent out a text uh, about three o'clock um, on Sunday afternoon hmm. telling, uh, we're on a group text with some of the people I do worship on Sunday nights with a lot of people. And... Um, Send I group text about that stuff that was going on there. And we as a church body, Sunday evening, we meet um, Sunday nights at five o'clock and we prayed for them. And But th this family that I, that I do worship with um, that live really close from there, um, 
the next night, I mean, we were praying um, for them and for, for the damage that was done there, the pain, the trauma that was in that. Uh, but I don't, I'm not sure if the national media covered this, but the very next night there was a prayer and worship vigil uh, yeah. where pastors from around the area and people got together, they played worship music, they sang and they worshiped God and they prayed and they joined together. And our local news station carried it live. Some of the members of our church were there um, praying for people, ministering uh, to people in the times of pain. Um, and I think that that's a very significant uh, example mm. of what goes on in Texas. You know, and I want to brag, it's not just Texas is, a, <laughs> is our state, but there, it's the same kind of response that you saw from the hurricanes of people from all different ethnicities yeah. and religious backgrounds pulling together. And, you know, as much as many people I've seen out, um, this has been pretty disappointing and painful to me to see many people in the media and on social media talking about how prayers aren't important um, and how prayers don't matter. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the people that I know that were there praying for those that were traumatized, involved in the community, mm. showing solidarity, love, support, commitment, friendship uh, across racial, mm. ethnic, religious lines. That stuff is very significant. And the human impact in the times of suffering of people who are willing to just hold space and be present and love, that's so significant. And I was proud that people are mm. doing that. And I, I bet we'll see more of it. And I'll share some of it if it doesn't make it out of San Antonio because something's happening down there in Sutherland Springs. And I think that, you know, the shooting wasn't just a horrible tragedy. There's going to be some life that comes from it. Oh, I hope so, because it's, it's just so much pain for so many people. So, yep. Well, thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Adam. All right. So our, our topic tonight uh, in our sixth installment um, is to, from, to kind of go deeper into one topic that we've talked about multiple times. It came up in the first, in our first uh, conversation. And I think it's worth doing again in the sixth. And, and, and Adam, I'm glad you suggested this for, for the topic tonight. Uh, a, a little bit of context. Yesterday, I did an interview with um, a person named Stephen Mansfield, who's written a book called Choosing Donald Trump. And he's a bit of a historian, writes, he wrote a book about the faith of George W. Bush, wrote a book about the faith of Barack Obama, and was writing about the faith context in which Donald Trump was elected the president of the United States. And so he does an analysis in his book, and you can watch the, the live stream or listen to the, the podcast. It's, another, uh, another, it's just in the podcast stream there. And he makes a suggestion as a conservative who was not happy with the election of Donald Trump, thinks that it really damaged the religious reputation. It's my shorthand for his that it, it damaged the, the religious reputation of especially evangelicals who overwhelmingly support Trump. So he's uh, a conservative, happy about the conservative parts of that uh, outcome, but not happy about Donald Trump. His suggestion was that you can't understand why so many people in that group, conservative white evangelicals especially, would support Donald Trump unless you understand how traumatized they felt during the Obama years and how scared they were in a trauma-like way, in a, in, a, in, a, in a very deeply wounded sense, about the possibility of Hillary Clinton becoming the president. Now, you've mentioned that a couple of times, and I thought that was interesting uh, commentary, so people are interested in that. And you, you mentioned uh, today that, before we, were talk, you know, before we started here, that that's not really the, the group that you find yourself in. 
So that made me start thinking about, yeah, there are at least three big groupings of people that I've talked to who support Donald Trump. And in my own way of trying to put all this together, it's become clear to me that, okay, Okay, you could talk to different Trump supporters and hear at least these three different groups. That being one, the group of people who are deeply, deeply traumatized. So they weren't just afraid they were going to lose their their way of living or they weren't just afraid that white people weren't going to be in power or something. There was a much deeper fear inside their faith that it was almost like a Nero had taken over the the, the country and they were in, in real jeopardy, you know, from biblical uh biblical times kind of fear. Then there's a second group, and that's the second group that I've been poking at a lot and and suggesting if that this second category doesn't fit well on you, Adam, and you've done a fine job of pushing back, and that is the people who are going to just vote Republican every time, and they're going to come up with any rationale or excuse no matter what. They are committed Republicans, and whoever the nominee is, they're in, and they'll set their faith aside and it's not going to be the dominant narrative. They're just going to vote for their issues. They're going to vote for their candidate. And it's politics and policy over commitment. And even though Donald Trump seems so out of line with any of their personal commitment, they were willing to set that aside and to vote for their politics. And someone like me, you know, has hair on fire about all that and says, you've been saying for 30 or 40 years that your faith always comes first and now you just set it aside, right? So I'm shaking my fist in the air. But that's only to at least, that's only one part of the group, right? Uh, we found. I think maybe there's even a fringier group, which are the, are the, the, the right wing, the neo right wing kind of alt right group. Um, I'm not even sure how many Christians are in that group. Uh, they terrify me, and I think it was reason enough to stay away from Donald Trump because Donald Trump invited that crowd in. But that's not the point. So you have those two major groups, right? You have the the people for whom they were just traumatized and terrorized and fearful. You have the group of people that, hey, it turns out we just vote Republican, and that's how it is. And the evangelical white Christian subculture is really just a front for Republican politics. Then you've suggested, a Adam, a number of times that neither of those fit you very well. You've tried to defend those on different points. But I th- it's become clear to me that over time you're, you're saying, like, no, there's something else. And that's that third, that third group that I think you represent. And um, that's what we're going to take another, another deep dive into tonight is what is that group for you and uh, how, how do you explain it? And you brought it up a bit in the first uh, episode saying, God invited me to consider voting for Donald Trump. And then we had lots of back and forth on that. And over these weeks, uh, you've articulated that in a number of ways. And tonight, I, I thought it would be really good to let you have a long run at that discussion about what you mean by that and really what's going on. So I think this will be a deeper conversation on some of those same topics that'll be really helpful to a lot of people. Is is that is that a yeah. fair lineup of the kind of conversation we've had so far? Yeah, I think that's good. I I just want to make a comment, you know, some about the the second group, the Republican, just going to vote the party line. Um, you know, I think that it isn't. Again, these are just opinions, right? My 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 um my opinions based on experience and people that I know. Uh, I know many of the evangelical conservative Christians who voted for him. Um, you know, very much didn't like him, didn't want to vote for him, didn't. Um, but when he got the nomination, you know, there's part of it of like, well, you know, the Republicans haven't led us down bad paths, so they really thought, you know, because he was the nominee, that he was okay. 
Um, so it's not just that they swallowed, uh, but they really thought there was something um, there. But you know, those are those are just opinions. I don't I don't really know. Uh, that most certainly wasn't my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I mean, you asked me pointedly a week last week or a week or so ago. You know, would you vote for a Democrat? And I said, yeah. And then you said, well, have you ever voted for a Democrat? And I said, no. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, it's hard to prove that you would have done that having sure. never done it. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't pull the trigger on Romney. Uh, I didn't pull the trigger on McCain. I didn't, I didn't think that that was. Um, I mean, I stayed away from that. You know, for a particular reason. Um, but more to your more to your question, I think that there for me. Really what was going on, and this is, you know, I, I want to talk frankly about this yeah. because it's important and significant for me. And, and I just, I want to reiterate again as I sort of wade into this, mm-hmm. this is a sticky conversation. It's um, a, say, say that again, I, I kind of lost you there. It's a what conversation? This is a sticky conversation. Sticky. Mm-hmm. Um, because some of the things that I'm about to say, uh, you know, there's, they're subjective. They can't be tested. Um, you can't come, you have to take them on the basis of what you think about me. Um, either I'm a liar, I'm making stuff up, I'm delusional, or, you know, I'm Lord telling you lunatic. the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a lot to gain right now by telling you what I'm about to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, other than I believe that it's true. Um, so my support for, for Donald Trump did come because in January of 2006, um, during while I was outside mowing, um, I felt like the Lord told me that he was going to be the president of the U.S. Donald and, Trump, like by name. Yeah. Yes. Hot diggity. You should have led I, with that in week one. That's fantastic. And it was in the context of, of a sentence, um, huh. you know, that I'm not, <laughs> that I don't want to share, but... Sure. Uh, I was about a week and a half into working for Mr. Trump on the campaign, you know, at the at the point in time when he was, you know, one of 16 or yeah. 16,000 or however many candidates the Republicans fielded. And, you know, I was I hadn't yet released any social media videos. Those all came out January 15th. But I was mowing the yard and I was editing stuff late into the night. And one Saturday mowing the yard, I was just asking, like, I'm like, God, am I am I am I? Am I working for Pharaoh? Am I working for the enemy? Is, am I creating as ethically, morally, as, in what I'm doing, editing videos for someone that I just don't really understand? Like, am I doing something sinful? Um, and while I'm mowing the yard, I just heard as clear as day, not an audible voice of heaven, but I've cultivated an internal yeah, sure. connection and hearing over many years. I heard that 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 I I was going to be connected and and in relationship with um, the Trumps and the uh, via the campaign um, and that he was going to be the president of the U.S. and you know I certainly didn't go around telling people that um, you know uh, but a lot like Mary you know when an angel showed up to her and mm-hmm. told her that she was carrying the Messiah not not to say that Trump is the Messiah. Um, but she treasured it in her heart. Hmm. And I have a journal that of treasures for me uh, from the last 
12 years of my life of things like that that I've heard that sound absolutely crazy um, when you hear them. But I write them down. I don't go around telling people. Um, I don't hear things that I go force on other people. These are things for myself and my family. But that word significantly impacted um, some direction that I took over the next 12 months. Um, and it was the reason why a year ago on election night, I'm sitting up at 2 a.m. not at all surprised. And I'm not just pretending. Like, I really believed it. Um, that is a piece of the puzzle that happened sort of in the middle of the puzzle. Yeah. To, under, to understand... So, so let me recap so, so I make sure I'm hearing you right. In 2006... 11 2016. Year, 2016. Okay. When January, I got all excited that in, that in 2000, I, I misheard you. I, when I heard you say 2000, I heard you say 2006 no. and I thought you've been holding that in for 10 no. years. Okay. No, no, Thank no. You. That, that, 16. That, that, that helps me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Cause I was like, wow. If you knew 10 years back, uh, that that's where my excitement came. Okay. No, Kurt so, Cobain so you, did though. Did you see that? Well, I, it turns out that's a hoax. That's a, that's a, internet hoax it turns out oh yeah uh, he didn't because i have that's right and i know that only because i stood on a sidewalk outside of a movie theater on monday night uh november 7th 2016 with some other people looking it up to see if it was actually true and it turns out that was an internet hoax but um uh but he, here's the thing i find interesting about There's this a whole lot uh, your your own story on this one is um there are a lot of people in the larger Christian context, and many, especially people who have a larger audience than you or I have, people like Paula White and, and others, big spokespeople, who apparently report the same kind of thing. Like, yeah. this is what I'm, th this is what's, what's interesting. And for a lot of us, when, if that's not our tradition or we've never had an experience like that, that hits us in a really odd way. And we begin to just ask questions about, how totally the world works or how you think the world works. But, but this is what's curious is there, there was an entire movement and Stephen Mansfield uh, chronicles some of it in that book, choosing Donald Trump, that a certain stream of evangelical Christians were starting to say, look, this really matters. This, this electing Donald Trump is about something other than just typical politics. This one is outside the norm and you need to be in on it. Where some of us were hearing, this thing is so far out of the norm, we need to make sure it never happens. Th that depending on what side you were uh, feeling, you know, sensing in, in that moment, you really experienced something different. And, and so you're the only person I know personally, as much as, you know, only our meeting over uh, Skype video or we'll uh, fix that video. Uh, T tells me that um, you're the only person I've ever been able to actually ask or talk to personally and hear interpersonal stories uh, about this. So for anyone, I think, who's hearing this and just thinks, I, I don't know, that that just seems totally crazy. This narrative you're saying is actually a part of the entire an entire myth. Uh, I don't I don't mean myth in a fake way. I mean, sort of a mythos or a, a creation narrative yeah. that a lot of people who supported Donald Trump found themselves in. And you alluded to this maybe in episode one or two, where you said something about um, there were leaders fulfilling prophets, saying that prophecies or something like that were being fulfilled. And um, I think you, 
uh, we're, we're alluding to some of these same things. So I think that's, uh, that carries a lot of weight to me, right? That, um, you had an experience like that. Well, there, I appreciate that. And there's, you know, there's a whole lot more. I mean, that's just the, that's the benign piece of the puzzle. Um, Backtracking a little bit, not all the way back to 2006, but um, about... Again, that would have been awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, about about seven years ago, um, 2010-ish, I really began um, as I was pursuing being a pastor in the church and working on staff and ministry, I began to just really connect to the story of Joseph uh, and really Mm -hmm. saw that his life as someone who worked for Pharaoh, ended up being second in command. Um, there is very little evidence ever that the, that the biblical narrative supported Pharaoh as a, as a godly ruler of a godly kingdom. But God gave Joseph dreams to, that he would be uh, one of the 12 stars uh, and that his brothers would bow down to him. And if you want to read the story in Genesis, you can pick it up like Genesis 30-ish or so and read through mm-hmm. the end of the book. Um, it's a very interesting story, and that Joseph ended up saving uh, his tribe of about 70 uh, Hebrew people from uh, a famine, and he saved the nations of Egypt and other people from famine because he had a, a dream and a vision, and decades later, he ended up uh, as a leader in the house of, a, of, of what you could consider very real, a pagan king who did not mm-hmm. know and honor God, but he honored Joseph because of the presence that God had with him. And so for the last seven or eight years, I've really resonated with that narrative and I've studied the scriptures in the Old Testament and seen how that stuff plays out in the New Testament. And that's been a big narrative for me. And I really felt like I had a similar kind of call. Like there would be some time in my life that I would be supporting someone who who God was calling me to support and work for and that the favor from God that was on my life would be valuable and beneficial for this person, um, not as a as a rubber stamp on them as a ruler or as a godly person, uh, mm-hmm. but because of what God was calling me to do. Um, and so, about three years ago, uh, I met this guy in in a health club at, where my wife works. Met him in the morning. Um, there was a guy, uh, and he ran a company, and we started talking, and. This guy ran um, a web development company, and uh, you know I had a graphic design business where I, I did websites, and we just became buddies, and we talked shop, and we talked techie geek stuff. And then in, uh, in February of 2015, he comes to me in the gym, and he's like, Donald called me. I was like, what? He's like, he called me, you know? And he said, I can't confirm or deny, but if I run for president, would you make me a website? And I'm like, Trump called you and wants you to make him a website for president? And he's like, yeah. Um, and if you saw the 60 minute special on Brad Parscale, did, you yeah, know that he I made did. the site, said charge him 15 bucks, 1500 $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, bucks for it. $1,500, um, yeah, yeah. Right, but I was there in the gym the morning after Trump called him and he told me about this. And it mm-hmm. was at about that time that I really felt, I began to hear things and I wasn't working for the guy. But I began to hear this, um, and this is what I heard. I felt like the Lord told me that I needed to go 
and work for this man because when he got into politics, I needed to help run his company. And when I heard that in so 2000- this man, you don't mean Donald Trump. You mean the no. friend you met at the at the club. When that person moves off into politics, you're going to need to take on the company. Yeah. Yep. Take on his okay. company. That I need to go and work for him. Um, and no. I began to think, is this the Joseph kind of a thing? And I mean, I had a grid for that to help sure. support someone, to serve them and help them run their company. Now, to hear that, I'm a, I'm a worship pastor and a freelance designer, you know, and this guy runs a hotshot agency in town. So there's all of that internal, why would he hire me? And that's dumb and there's no way that's gonna happen. Um, but it began to, and um, I interviewed for a job there and you know, they didn't hire me for six months. And in June of 2015, I really just felt like the Lord said, about four months after this event, I felt like the Lord said, you need to go and tell him. So I, I went, I sat him down for breakfast, I looked this business leader in the face, and I said, you need to hire me because when you get into politics, you need me to help run your company. And he looked at me, he was like, you know I wanna get into politics? I said, yeah. He runs a web agency. He's like, how do you know that? And I said, I hear things. And then I realized <laughs> that was that was kind of an awkward statement. Um, yeah, right. Hopefully, he's not someone with some you know some paranoid sort of tendencies because that would freak him out. Before yeah, talking. So I covered for myself. I'm like, and you talk a lot in the gym. Um, nice. You know, because I I mean, he does. Uh, but he told me that he's like, that's interesting because the night before a high ranking official in the uh, in the in the county Republican Party was at my house talking to me about running for some local local offices. And I told my wife last night that I couldn't do it because I didn't have anyone to help me with my company. About a week later, he hired me and I ended up in that job four months later. I'm editing videos for Donald Trump on a presidential candidate going is this real? Like, I, I left the church because I heard this and I pursued this guy, not in my quote unquote flesh. I didn't go out and do job interviews on Indeed. I didn't go and try and learn everything about him. I didn't try and up my development skills to try and work my way into his company. I spoke to him what I heard the Lord say to me in a very non-confrontational, non-weird, thus saith the Lord way. Mm -hmm. And when I spoke the thing that the Lord had told me, it opened doors. I got a job. Four months later, I'm editing videos for Donald Trump. And then I hear what I told you, that he was going to be the president. Um, and things along the way, I began to see them happen. Mm -hmm. And it's incredible when you, when you live in what, you know, I had no grid for any of this stuff. But I heard about it years earlier, and then I began to watch it start happening. Um, once that, those two things really began to happen, and then I began to hear some words that were coming from people in Australia, some words about, about a dream that this, that this woman had about um, the word Trump being over uh, the nation and turning into triumph and things from Lance Wallnau um, that he began to put out about that, that, that Trump is God's chaos candidate, and things from people from, from years ago, I don't remember how long ago, a guy Kim Clement was prophesying some of that stuff. And I didn't follow these people, 
Um, and certainly these people, you can ask the question, are they credible sources? How do they know what's their other stuff? And you may disagree with a lot of their other things, mm -hmm. but my personal experience is hearing things, watching things happen, getting jobs, getting in a position, and then all of a sudden editing yeah. the videos and praying over every single issue video that went out on the Trump campaign between January 15th and the end of March. There's a whole page called Donald J, donaldjtrump.com forward slash issues. And there was 12 or 15 videos, every single one of them I made, every single one of them I prayed over and declared that God's truth would go out to this nation. Um, whatever that was, I didn't know. But that's, that was my experience and that's what happened. And then, of course, he won against all these odds and a whole yeah, bunch of other yeah. things began to happen. And all of those pieces put together with a whole bunch of other stuff um, hmm. sort of brings me to this spot of, man, I'm not just hearing things and then nothing's happening. Like I'm hearing things and I'm watching them happen. Yeah. And is this coincidence? Maybe. Uh, who, who knows, you know, uh, who knows what words match those kinds of experiences any of us have. Well, I, I, th thank you for that. I, I really do appreciate it. And I have so many thoughts for you on this and questions for you. And none of these are questions of, of um, not believing you, okay? These are questions for me to understand uh, how you responded in the midst of all those things that, that happened with you. Ask away. Okay. One is... How do you, what, do you think without that, and this is a hypothetical, do you think without that experience, you would have felt comfortable supporting Donald Trump? Did it take that set of experiences, do you think, for you to be supportive of, of Donald Trump for president? I do. So how, what the, all the other people, you know, the three to five million less than Hillary got in the vote, but all those other people around the country, I can't remember how many it was, 60 million or something like that, 55 million people that voted for him. What do you think was going on there? Because most people, I would dare say everyone outside of you didn't have that experience and probably didn't have one similar to it. How do you think about how other people ended up supporting Donald Trump? Like, say I had gotten someone else to respond to being the partner in this in this project, um, they probably would have had a very different this. discussion. What do you think they would have been saying? Category one and category two of the of the, of the setup here, or like yeah, how do I mean, you reconcile that in your own head? Why anybody else in San Antonio voted for him? Can't really figure that out because they didn't have this background. So how you know unique what? do you? Yeah, I. I mean, we covered a little bit of that in the opening, your mm -hmm. opening monologue about, you know, the, the, the two major different groups. Um, okay. And certainly I think that. Um, I don't think that I have an exclusive experience. I have a unique experience uh -huh. and a unique relationship with the Lord, but I don't think it's exclusive. And this is what I believe, and this is just my opinion, because I can't verify it, but I am pursuing uh, understanding it on a deeper level. Cause I think God is doing something to speak right now, his voice into the people that are willing to listen from all different faith backgrounds, mm. Christian, non-Christian. I believe that there, God is a, God is a God who speaks to the people that want truth, that want mm -hmm. justice, that want life. 
And if we are willing to humble ourselves to not just vote party line, not rage against the trauma, not, not think that the president's the one that's gonna, gonna save us all, but if we're willing to humble ourselves and tune in to, 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 to God, and I know that's a big statement, I believe he speaks this mm -hmm. kind of stuff and something that's happening in our nation right now. And, and I believe that's sort of a long answer for, I think that it's a much larger experience than, than you may think. And I know wow. from our circle of friends, I was one of the first people that started talking about this. And it was difficult for me because I'd been silent for eight years under Obama. Um, actually, well, yeah. I remember very clearly after the second Obama election, I heard the Lord say, stop talking about Obama. I was traumatized mm. by Obama um, in his first term. And, mm. and the Lord said, stop talking about Obama. And I, I turned off Facebook. I turned off the Drudge Report. I stopped reading the news. And I began to pursue scripture and um, mm. web design and other things. And, and then the Lord invited me to start talking again um, about a year ago. And when I did, I began to talk to my good Christian friends, people that, that, that I was a Christian leader, that they believed, trusted, honored, and they were scandalized yeah. when they heard me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they began, over the course of a couple of weeks and months for some of them, they began to hear the same things. And literally there was one weekend when like five different people from different parts of the city all texted me and said, I heard something. I think you may be on to something. Mm. People that were intercessors and prayer people and people that moved in the prophetic and people that were just quote unquote run of the mill evangelicals that didn't have that kind of prophetic faith tradition mm. began to hear the same kinds of things. This, this, this next inquiry about this um, uh, is a little complicated, so a little bit of setup here, okay? Okay. Um, how do you think about that story in light of the people who you hear, you've heard it from me and I'm sure you've heard it from others, who feel so threatened, harmed, scared by the Trump presidency, how do you reconcile that experience those people are having with this notion that somehow the, the divine has said Donald Trump should be elected, right? Because the, it, it, it's really hard to separate for a lot of us the idea that Donald Trump would be um, validated for by this divine experience that you've had without the things that Donald Trump has, was saying at the time, the kind of aggressive nature that he was taking, the number of people who were, who were, who were scared and, and, and um, unnerved, without feeling like all of that was also being endorsed by this supportive divine notion. When you hear people not just politically freaking out, but really traumatized, uh, how do you reconcile that with the idea that, well, I think God was on to all this? It's a good question. I, I, maybe your answer would feel too harsh or something, like you wouldn't care. I, I don't want to put you in that box, but I just think that's a question. Well, hold on, hold on. You just, you just said that maybe my answer would be too harsh that I wouldn't want to say it. Um, no, I just I, I don't want to put you in a spot where that, my setup 
you know, caused you to have to respond in a way that would feel like, oh, I, I, I want to think about those people or something like that. I, yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm happy to respond. I'm just, um, believe it, I mean, I have a lot of compassion for the realities of that question um, and the pain that it causes on the other side when you feel like you've heard something different or you can't fathom how, how the divine would want to do something that was so painful and traumatic to you. And I remember sitting across from, um, across from my, uh, I remember sitting across from my father um, a decade ago having lunch and my parents uh, got divorced when I was in high school. And I, about a decade ago, I started telling him that God was talking to me and I had a vision of my wife and I went to Africa and I've seen people get healed and, and like dramatic real bones getting healed and things happening. And I started telling my family about this and they were like, what on earth? Are you, what are you getting into? You know, and I remember so clearly my father sitting and looking at me from across the table at the Chinese restaurant on College Avenue in Mountain. And he looked at me with tears in his eyes and he said, Adam, the last time someone looked me in the face and said God told them to do something, your mother told me that God told her to kick me out of the house. And that began their divorce. And it was so painful for him. And, and I talked with him through that. And I, I have a very real visceral and emotional history with people saying, God told me something, and that thing that God told me, I'm going to use it to hurt you, to break a relationship, and to divide. Mm -hmm. Now, that gets you into, in a very real way for me and my family, and you know, I hesitated to share the story because I don't know if my mom or dad are listening. This is part of our story, and I love them, and I honor them. Um, but this is part of the thing that has shaped me with my hearing God and my history that, yeah. look, I think that God is much more interested in not us being right about, about, about who got it right or God said this and I was the right one. God is shaping our, our lives to expose places inside of us that are hurting, that need healing. And mm -hmm. I don't fully understand it, but what happened in my family and what I think is happening in our nation is that God is using Trump as an agent or he is partnering with him, however that theology works out, to expose some things that are going on in our nation so that they can be healed. And my personal belief is not that God has brought Trump as a savior to help institute a conservative policy agenda so we can all get those crazy democratic socialists out of power. Like that's not the narrative for me. I or just think, a tax break. Yeah, you know, if I had fourteen hundred more dollars, man, right. I would reinvest it and create some jobs. What a win! I could be a job creator. But I okay, think he's, and, and, well, that's I, very helpful, Adam. I, I thank you. I, I really do appreciate that, and I think that's the dilemma that I'm sure you or anyone else who felt that this thing that other people so much didn't want, you felt God was impressing upon you to be part of, and that it was going to happen. And here's the interesting thing, I think, about the nuance in what you're saying, and I want to make sure I hear this nuance right. I hear you saying that there was this sense uh, in communication to you that 
this was something that was going to happen, not so much this is something God wants to happen. And I think for some people, there's a little difference there, right? And I don't know if you're making that difference, but if I were trying to explain to someone how our conversation went tonight, I would say, I think Adam is making a distinction that's meaningful to me, at least. Maybe that's why I'm hearing it. But it's a distinction between in these kinds of narratives where people would say, I just had a sense this was going to happen is different than... I have a sense that this is what God's desire is. Now, some of that gets into do things happen that are outside of God's desire and all the rest. Um, But that's a nuance that I want to make sure if that's what you're saying, that uh, I'm at least hearing that clearly enough, that there is a knowing that you had, and this was something going to happen, and you were then participating in it in whatever way that meant for you, and the ramifications of that... In other words, is this a good thing for our country? Is this a bit? That, that was not necessarily the thing for you that was driving as much as this is a sense of knowing it's going to happen. Is that, is that right? Is that, is that distinction helpful? Yes, I think that's a very good, clear way of putting it um, because I never had the sense that this was like the best choice or the favorite right. choice or that God even meddles in the affairs of humans to interject his choice against the free will of the people. Um, you know, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not a Russian spy. So nice, the, nice. I, I, or a Trump <laughs> staff member or campaign member. <sighs> so I, I mean, I did that to myself. Sorry. Um, no, it's well done. It's nice to be on the other side of the conspiracy theories for, for once, you know, all the conspiracy but theories I, about the Democrats. But I, I do think that, here's the, here's the bottom line. Um, mm-hmm. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Matthew 5, 8. And when your heart is pure, um, when it's not, and you've got to fight for this in our culture, when it's not cluttered with bitterness and resentment that is so forcefully spewed at you, in every corner of media and social media and conversations today with violent language, violent happenings. But when you have a heart that's been guarded and pure, uh, you know, I could go on a little sermonette about this, but Jesus says that that those with pure hearts get to see what God is doing and they get to hear what he's saying. And if you can see what God is doing and hear what he's saying, then you get to participate in his redemption. Hmm. And what I feel the invitation was, was to listen to the heart of the Father, to participate in his redemption, not as his rubber stamp on Trump as a Christian person, but on what he's doing in America and what is coming for us. Because if you can see and hear, then you can be positioned and at the ready when the time comes. Okay, this other big topic around this response to this is, I heard people saying that kind of stuff about Barack Obama. Very clearly. You probably heard it too. I don't know if you did. But if you did hear it or now knowing that people were saying it, did you grant that same grace to people who said God was behind or there was a knowing or people were prompted by the divine to support Barack Obama? And are you comfortable saying, look, 
I was against Obama. I felt traumatized by him. I was, I felt that was really bad for the, all the things that you've articulated over these number of weeks about that and the fear of Hillary Clinton and the, the connection, you know, the, the, the connection of that. Did you have, over this last year or so, did you ever ask yourself, wow, what about all the people that said that about Obama? And I thought it was such a terrible thing. Like, do you see yourself on the mirrored side of this now and saying, well, maybe this is how it goes. The divine God, the, 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 the force, the Holy Spirit, however people like to define that, has sort of a, a there's a th- larger thing going on in every president. And that same thing is true, even, even if it's Donald Trump or even if it's Barack Obama. Did, yeah. Do you see? Yeah. Did, yes, did you have that I, sense? Yeah. And I, I mean, I had personal experience. My, my, my college roommate who was the best man at my wedding, um, was a, uh, Obama supporter and like, it blew my mind. Like I just didn't get it. And I, you know, I thought for a while that he had gone back on his Christian faith and I was like, what on earth? And I know that you're familiar with that stuff. And, and like, I loved him and stayed his friend, but you know, I said it earlier tonight, and I'll say it again really plainly. I was rebuked by the Lord for my position and the way that I was talking about Obama as the president of the United States. The Lord rebuked me and said, stop what you're doing. Stop talking about it. All this stuff that you think you know and that you're spreading out there, stop it. And he didn't say, Obama's policies in the Middle East are what I want to happen. Because um, I think the Iran deal's horrible. But, Told me that, but that's interesting. Yeah. Enough, but anyway. Well, you know, but... No, I'm just kidding. But I'm, I've been learning that, that the word rebuke, um, and I taught on this a couple of weeks ago, the word rebuke in the Greek, it can mean to elevate mm-hmm. or to, yeah. to extol or to lift right. up. And part of what I've discovered in that time with Obama and the Lord's rebuke to me is that what God wants to do is to elevate our hearts and our minds and our thoughts beyond just these things that we can get so pettily caught up in on this earth, bickering and fighting amongst one another. He wants to rebuke us so he can elevate our hearts and our minds and our relationships to the kind of place that he can take us which is ultimately God's kingdom, his life, his power moving on the earth. Um, yeah. So yeah, Thank I you. was uh, rebuked. Okay, okay, so so can I run this one by you? In, sure. the, in the Old Testament, or the, as my Jewish friends call it, the Bible, uh, right? The, the Old Testament the scriptures. The Older Testament. The, the, the Hebrew scriptures. The narrative that you pulled about Joseph is there. There's also a number of other ones, and I wonder if those have crossed your mind, because they've crossed my mind, and that is as an archetype of a way for people to understand the affairs of, of beautifully created f- humans and the affairs of the work of God in the world. You get a particular vantage point, and one of the narratives there is the, sort of the Joseph and the leader, and you see that kind of in the Moses thing. Then you get this odd one with Esther who became the queen for such a time as this, a particular reason. But a lot of it, of the leaders and the narrative in in the Jewish scriptures, has this sense that this leader has been brought up in order to show Israel that it was not faithful to God. It was, this leader was risen up to show the failures of that community to fulfill their requirements. Would you... What would you, how would you respond if someone like me said, you know, Adam, you might be onto something. Maybe there's a deep knowing, even a divine intention, however, however much 
force of the will of God you want to put in this. But I think what it's really about is to show, and then we say that this, that, that this destructive thing is going to happen, right? Because that's part of that same tradition of Joseph and, and others, is that this, uh, this issue was raised for some particular reason. And uh, people are trying to figure out what, what that is, right? So would, would you be comfortable with that? That, hey, um, sure, Donald Trump was elected the president of the United States, but it's not a great thing for the world, or for, but it's to show that some other, uh, you know, it's, it's to allow things to become uh, evident that they've, been so, that they've been so bad in the world. You see what I'm getting at? Yeah, and I, and that, that may be the case. I don't know. Um, like you don't have a dog in that hunt, as they say in Southern Texas. Right? Like, yeah, like it's um, not like you're saying, oh, this is how, this isn't part of the tradition that says, this is how America's going to be great again. It could be, you don't have an agenda around what the outcome is going to be. Is, is that right? I think that's right. Um, I need to spend some time thinking on that. I certainly don't think I have an agenda to uh, a president or a, a particular policy that I want to see. I mean, I've got I've got my conservative viewpoints, and I'm happy to discuss those. But in this capacity, I think that and look, <laughs> a lot of it. I am. I just I made my peace with crazy a decade ago to say I heard from God, um, and. And I'm not crazy, but I made my peace with it. And I don't yet know, and this is hard for a philosophical rational mind like mine, but I don't yet know the outcome. And I don't, th I don't think mm -hmm. it's done. I think this Trump inevitability in America is still unfolding. I think that there's a whole lot more to come. And if, if in the scriptures, in, in the Older Testament, our Jewish brothers and sisters one of the ways the rabbis knew that a prophet was false is if they prophesied something good and it didn't happen, they were a false prophet because God would never declare something good and then not do it. But rabbis knew that if you prophesied something bad like destruction and it yeah. didn't happen, it didn't mean the prophet was false. It could mean that the people repented and prayed and humbled yeah. themselves before the Lord and God turned. Yeah. Um, you can have yeah. discussion about that. Nineveh and, and Jonah is a great story of that. And in that capacity, maybe Trump is coming to stir up judgment in America. And maybe part of that means that people have got to humble themselves and pray that it would be relented instead of, you know, exalt themselves with this haughty, violent language where we tear him down for every little thing he does and start dividing everybody out and parsing out our political nonsense. You know, we've got to humble ourselves, whether you're proud that Trump won or whether you're enraged that he won. We've got to humble ourselves and pray for our nation and stop demonizing and denigrating the president and everyone that supports so, him. Okay, so that's the part I'm not sure about, right? I'm not sure that it, one could suggest that 
No, stopping vocalizing against the injustice of our nation is what That's not... we ought to be doing and judging yes. and speaking against the behavior of the president. And again, that, that I don't know that those two things necessarily hook together, that one has to be I didn't silenced. say that either. And that's an important nuance because the, the, I'm not saying that you should not oppose Trump. I think you ought to oppose him. I think there's plenty of things that he's doing right now that ought to be spoken out against. I'm not of this cult worship that thinks he's some kind of Republican demigod that's coming to save the party and the nation. Right, that was um, Ronald Reagan. We need to speak out. Huh? Right, that was Ronald Reagan. They already had one of those, right? Yeah, I mean, when we, you know, we, you only serve one God, Shema Israel. <laughs> um, but what I am saying is that there is a demonization that is evident in the way that people on the left and the right talk about each other that is absolutely damaging and has to be stopped. Uh, and we've I, got to learn. And that's why I wanted to engage with you. Like we've yeah, got to no. learn how to. Yeah, I agree. I think that, that I think that is true. I, so here's what's so curious about this. And just in the last two minutes that we have for, you know, our, our commitment here, um, I felt like with the election of Donald Trump, I also heard from God very clearly about how things I should be doing in my life caused a very dramatic yeah. shift in some of my work life, doing this kind of thing, being out in the world. I totally get that. Not on an event that's going to happen, but based on an event that happened, which I don't think it makes any difference if someone says, I feel based on the event that's inevitable or the event that, that already took place, I'm driven forward. And I feel like for me, and I think there's millions of people in the country who feel this way, this election caused them to find and to raise their voice. Yes. So I, I just, that's where it struck me that this idea that, whoa, we have to, the way you humble yourself and to live in humility is to not be so hard on the president. I, no, I... that's not what I said. And that's not what I think. Okay. Because that's what I was... Can you tell me what you meant you ought by... To, you ought to object to that. I agree. Okay. What, what, what were you saying there a, a minute or so ago when you were saying we should be not on everything? The, we should stop de criticizing the president. And... Demonizing. And, and, and the way that, I mean, and I could provide you with numerous quotes and things um, as examples for this. Um, and it, it happens oh, on the right all side. it's in my head all the time. I, to I totally get you that that's going on. I, I, I see it. I see it it's, in my mind's eye all day long. So I get it. It's, it's that. It's, it's the violent, angry, um, sure. abusive, intellectually dishonest, a hypocritical double standard. Um, yeah. That's very oh. different than using your voice and speaking out and doing a women's okay. march. Okay, so, like, so, all right, so, so let, can I just push on this in the last minute? Because here's what I sure. know friends of mine who listen to this, they're, they're yelling right now. That is, after eight years of people saying things about Barack Obama that were not rooted in truth at all, including birtherism, all of that on him all the time about everything, Maturian candidate, all this kind of stuff, just wild-eyed things. For now, for the, those people to be saying, hey, let's stop all the demonizing. And the guy who led the demonization against Barack Obama most pronounced, uh, in the most pronounced way 
Donald Trump as a seems like that feels like the hypocritical uh, call, right? So I'm just saying it feels yeah, to is. some people who would hear someone who and and then the demonization for, you know for me uh, for Hillary against Hillary Clinton to then hear hey you know what we all need to do is just stop all the conspiracy theories and all the demonization like the whole Trump campaign was about that so it feels so I agree we should stop it but now when some of us are talking about things that we see actually happening things he's literally saying ways he's actually behaving things that he's doing on a daily basis no presidency has been anything like this any hint hey everybody let's uh let's cut him a break doesn't feel like it's I, and i know it, i i could sound like i'm playing some sort of a well hey that worked so well the last time let's just double down this time it feels like it's so fundamentally different right now because across the political spectrums there's people who are really terrified and i just feel like boy we need to be saying more things and keep constant vigilance on uh, the, the, the severe problem. So that's where it, it, it strikes a little funny. What, what's your thoughts to someone like me who's, you know, holding those kinds of views? I completely understand that. And, you know, I'll reiterate a point personally, I got rebuked for doing that kind of stuff to president Obama hmm. in my own mind eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I so was told in my understanding to stop that. Yeah. Now, yes. if we agree that that kind of stuff is damaging, then now do you just want your turn to be damaging? No. Um, okay. Yeah, that's turn so is, helpful. Turn is, turn is fair that's prey. so helpful. Here's, here's, here's what I think about that. Uh, in the same way that, and I think it's totally fair that in your narrative, in your story, in the Adam, in Adam living in the world, that your calling became, hey, shut that, uh, shut that part down. Don't elevate it. A number of us, including me, have been, you've been way too quiet about some things that you need to now start speaking up about in the same yeah. way that you felt the call to say something to the your business partner. Some of us are feeling that, that sort of, so your rebuke to pull back was my rebuke to go out, right? And yeah. I'm trying to do it, and I, as I know you are, I'm trying to do it in ways that are not about demonization, but are about yeah. more volume and less, uh, uh, less uh, vitriol, but more things that are in the mix so that people don't only have the vitriol. And that's where it, yeah. uh, it's hard for people, I think, to hear. And this is what I know a lot of conservative Christians were hearing in the Obama years, which was, your time is up, game's over, get to the back of the line, there's some new people in town now. And the country has made a turn and we're never going back and you're left behind. I know that narrative is out there. I know people deeply felt it. I don't think that's myth at all. I think that was very real experience for a lot of people. And I certainly and don't want to do that. there's some evidence that actually happened. It actually happened. No, I'm, that's right. I mean, yeah. the, the, some of those were actual sentences. I, I've even heard them said to me about things. So th that's very, yeah, I very mean, Obama real. said he was going to fundamentally transform America days before he got to be president. So, I mean, yeah. that's... Yeah, that's real. That's real. So th that's the thing that um, whenever we take our own experience and make it somebody else's obligation, we know we've over overstepped our, our bounds. Right. The thing for all of us People is to live in our full agency, who we are in the world, our voice, our calling and recognize somebody else might have the very opposite calling of that. And that's the most important person to engage with. So, yeah. And can, can I just 
quickly Please. respond to that because yeah. I, I know that we make that fundamental error all the time. Um, and I want to just say that I'm not suggesting that what God is inviting based on my experience of being rebuked, right. that word to be, have my, my vision elevated, um, that people should stop speaking out. I want you like, and I've appreciated, I've, I've started following you on social media and looking into what you're doing. And I appreciate your voice. I think it's an important one. I think it's growing. I think, you know, there's favor on your life and I'm, I'm proud to be getting to do this stuff with you. Um, and I think more people like that need to be speaking out on both sides or all eight sides of the issue. What I do think is universal about God's call, and I'm using the word rebuke. I know it's like a big churchy, like scary word, but for me, it means, look, God can elevate your heart to be in sync with his. And I believe that the world would be so much different and so much better if humanity got in sync with the heart of God. And that doesn't mean that humanity all acted and behaved the same way and had the same cultural expressions and voted the same way. If we got in sync with the heart of God, this nation would change. And that's what the rebuke was for me, to stop Mm. being in sync with my own ideas and tap into him. Mm. And if he spoke to you and opened up your heart and said, Doug, you're too quiet, get involved, start speaking out, then buddy, do that. Yeah. But if you start being a bitter, violent, angry leftist, I'll pray for you because well, I, I, I don't think that that's redemptive. But yeah, right, right. Vitriol or anger and, and you know, th- things that are born out of that, that, that lack joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That, yes, the, those don't bear fruit anyway or the fruit they bear. It's, it's, of, it's of no use. It's a lot of wasted energy and damages a lot of people. I, I totally yeah. agree. I just... Um, I think anytime we have any system in this country, especially that tells some people to be more quiet, to sit more, to sit down more often, to be less heard, that's not what we're up to here. I don't think it's what we should be up to in faith and religion. I don't think it's what we should be up to in personal relationships or in our country. That's just no good, that stuff. And it's, um, the level to which, I mean, this is the thing, and I, I guess we can go on some rants next week in week seven, but the level to which the Trump administration is doing that, it just is so incredible to me. And it feels like, oh, no, we need to uh, we need to have more voices in all the places. And um, I'm super committed to that. So thank you, Adam. Uh, this was very helpful. Yeah, I, I just I'm on day 12 of a juice diet. The juice diet uh, in the little system I'm in, using uh, is often called a reboot. I guess it sort of borrows a, a computer phrase and allows you to re- reboot your body to sort of change your pattern. It's what you might call mm. repentance, you know, in a Bible language. And it might even be what right. you mean in some ways by rebuke, to sort of reset and to to be nourished in another flow rather than yeah, the flow you've been nourished in. And that you're going to kind of go through this reboot. I mean, that's not like, you know, because all I'm doing is thinking about eating food, you know, every day on a, on a juice diet. But that's, that was the Give imagery. Give some gluten. <laughs> Can a guy just have a muffin? Uh, <laughs> that, that's the thing I was hearing you say is that there was this sense of this, uh, th- this is the way you ought to live in the world and try to be nourished off of this rather than off of what you think has been nourishing you, which is actually not, not doing that trick. So, yeah. 
That's Adam, good. I was bra- talking to. I, I don't want to be all Brene Brown about this, but it's very brave of you uh, to to do this and to say these things because there's a whole culture um, of people, whether and it's not just Christian or not. It's just people who hold to this kind of thing happening in the world or not. Like there's stories of this in many religions and in many non-religions, people that have these deep knowing. And it's it's a difficult thing to share it because there's a lot of social pressure where people would say, well, that's just not logical or something. You know, I mean, there's a, there's just a built-in critique that comes automatically. And I think it's a, a really, a really great thing that you were willing to be so full-throated about it uh, this, the, on the whole podcast, but especially tonight. Yeah, well, I I don't have anything to prove. I'm not making this stuff up. That's and awesome. I love my life and the people that love me. Yeah. So, yeah. and I want to I want to make a difference. And if I need to change my thinking, I'm re- I'm ready for it. Sure. You know. Sure. But well, I know there's a God this one and more He's week? redeeming this earth. You got one more week in you. Yeah, right. for sure. So we'll do like well, a Thanksgiving special where we can, you know overeat and then like maybe take a nap on the air <laughs> join all the listeners in the silent nap that they take hey thanks for being part of this um i really do appreciate it yeah you bet doug right. thank you yeah all right